Welcome to A Penny for Your Thoughts, a podcast from Central Iowa, where Sean Bloomgren with Bloomgren Seed and Andrew Penny with Bayer uh, talk to you about all things agronomy. We have been uh, scouting and, and doing research and trying to find cool things in agronomy all summer and then arrive at a delivery mechanism to efficiently bring that content to you. We have arrived on this podcast, so uh, welcome to the inaugural uh, Penny for your thoughts. This is actually our third recording, so our hope is that we will bring you good enough information. Uh, you'll stick out our uh, <laughs> our evolving podcast skills. But um, I'd like to start by introducing you to Andrew Penny. Andrew, tell us about yourself. Yeah, so uh, uh, happy to be here. Uh, glad glad we're finally doing something like this. You know, like Sean mentioned, we we've been talking about for a while doing something like this and just getting good information, good science based information out to growers so that they can make management decisions based on whatever we're seeing in the fields. So uh, happy we're doing this. Yeah, so so I started uh, my career uh, in retail. So worked about nine years in retail at a local cooperative, uh, then decided to go back, get, get my degrees, uh, do some work at, at Iowa State. So went there, got my master's degree in seed technology, and then my PhD in uh, plant pathology and crop physiology. So lot of experience trying different things, um, trying new things, and, and really pushing yields. And at the end of the day, I think my, my end goal is to make growers more profitable while uh, shooting for 300 bushel corn. It's been a really exciting partnership. Bloomgren Seed has been in Central Iowa since 1989 and had a really long relationship with the DeKalb brand. And over the evolution of our business, uh, Andrew and I's relationship has allowed us to uh, really focus on that concept of, of partnering with growers that want to push yield, um, both in corn and soybeans. Um, and our goal with this podcast is really to accomplish two things. So, so one, bring you weekly agronomic insights, truly what we're actually seeing in the field. Um, but probably the part that Andrew and I are more excited about is the idea of a somewhat uh, brand agnostic look at just how do we make considerations around accomplishing our goal uh, on our on our farm, both both from an ROI perspective, but I'd, I'd be lying if I didn't say that we're both pretty excited about hitting big numbers in the combine. So um, I think our format is going to look something like we'll spend uh, we'll spend the first part of the podcast talking through the scouting observations we've made uh, between, uh, between our recordings and then, um, maybe highlight, uh, some technologies or, or, or things we're excited about. I'd say today we're sitting, uh, recording this podcast as we're getting ready to go to the farm progress show. So obviously lots of new and exciting things happening, uh, just a couple miles north of here, but let's start. Andrew, tell me a little bit about, we caught four inches of rain over the weekend. Um, we, we spent quite a bit of time in the field last year. Uh, tell me about, kind of just the general outlook on corn and maybe kind of your expectations of, of how that rain is going to impact our crop. Yeah, that's, that, that's a good question. You know, we went, uh, we, we had some quite, quite the different environment this year when it comes to moisture here in, in central Iowa and in the surrounding part of the, the state, you know, we, we went from completely saturated soils to near drought conditions, uh, you know, over, over most of the growing season. So this would probably be a prime example of, you know, as I'm talking through hybrids with growers, you know, talking uh, about different maturities, this would be a, a prime example of, you know, th those later maturities are probably going to be able to take advantage of these late season rains a lot better than those early season products. So, you know, I, I always like to say a week of stress on a 115 day product is not the same as a week of stress on a 109 day product. And, and I think this rain, you know, as we look at 
the the growth stage or the developmental stage of some of these products you know walking plots I think those 115 day products you know they're probably around that R4 stage for the most part whereas some of those you know early 108 109 day products they're they're in the dense stage so so I, I think you know I think we're all most of those products will be able to capture you know and, and use some of this rain but I think those later maturing products can be able to take advantage of that a little bit more it's interesting, last night in preparation for the Farm Progress show, we went and pulled some ears, uh, a couple of different products we're testing, a nitrogen-based product and then some biostimulant. The cool part was we saw differences, so the, the um, some of the technologies we're testing, I'm anxious to get the combine across, but uh, definitely made the observation our 115-day corn was in that R4 stage, uh, theoretically an opportunity to still take advantage. Um, hit just real quickly on... Um, maybe tar spot. I know we'll go into it more in depth in a future episode. Uh, but tell me just a little bit about, um, and, and maybe, maybe think, uh, 80 or hundred miles in either direction, uh, from where we're sitting, uh, observations you made and, and if anything, management considerations. Yeah. So, you know, I, I've been getting questions and pictures on tar spot boy for about a month now. Um, I actually just saw it personally probably about a week and a half ago. Uh, give or take a few days so you know obviously that's something we're, we're generously getting donated from from the east you know illinois has been dealing <laughs> with it uh, quite a bit more severe than we are um but yeah it's 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 starting to show up it's it's a very aggressive pathogen probably probably the most aggressive aggressive pathogen that, that we deal with here in iowa you know it's a very voracious spore producer so you know at, at this stage in the game you know knowing that we're probably at the r4 r5 with most products here that we plant here in central iowa you know, it's probably getting to the point where it, it, it probably wouldn't give you a good ROI to put a fungicide on right now. Um, that being said, you know, I think there's different scenarios and, and different situations where maybe I would recommend it. You know, did, did you not put a fungicide on early? Um, are, are you at that 5% disease severity? You know, we're getting rain. Um, the environment's conducive for, for that pathogen to spread. So there's probably some, some individual situations where I probably would recommend a fungicide if you're at that early R4 uh, you know, give or take, but if, if you're at dent, you know, it, it's, and you're only at 5% disease severity, it's probably not going to be a, a good ROI to put a fungicide on this late. So we're going to break down tar spot. I think when we think about, um, making our plans for 2023 cropping systems, we're going to break down tar spot on a future episode where we'll talk about kind of what, what should we have as our baseline plan? How do we think about hybrid placement? And then certainly um, what considerations when we when we think about branded fungicide, you know, what should we be thinking about? But I think that's gonna be a pretty in-depth conversation. Tying a bow on corn, uh, farm progress show is gonna take a lot of our time, but as we go out and we look at our fields, what what am I scouting for today? Um, what should I be paying attention to knowing that I'm I'm probably harvesting corn in the next 30 to 40 days? Yep. Yeah, so, so probably the number one thing I'd be looking for this year, you know, given the fact that we were so wet early on is, you know, I'd be asking yourself, did, did you side dress or not? I, I think that's that's going to be a big determining factor on stock quality, plant health, and, and especially yield this year. So so if you're out walking plots, or I'm sorry, if you're out walking fields, I, I would probably just be looking for any kind of deficiency, whether it's nitrogen, potassium, you know, that's going to give me a good indication of whether or not, you know, those stocks are going to be able to withstand any late season winds, you know, once once that crop reach, reaches physiologic maturity and begins the dry down process. So I'd, I'd be looking at your early early maturity products first. Um, then I'd just be looking at overall deficiencies in the crop. And, and then I'd probably just base most of my, 
you know, harvesting uh, timeliness on, on, you know, what you see in, in, as far as stock quality and, and plants in essence. So, so I think, I think given the year, just focus on, you know, asking yourself, did I side dress? Uh, you know, what, what kind of moisture levels did I see? Uh, you know, I, I think I'm seeing some, some drier fields uh, dry down a little bit earlier than expected. So I think we're going to begin to see some of those stocks uh, give out as that grain continues to try and fill. So, so I think there's a lot to it, but just, just be looking at the crop, let, let the crop tell you the story and, and go from there. Yeah, it's not, it's not uncommon, right? We get to this time of year and a, a harvest plan is actually important. When we think about capturing bushels, uh, timely harvest is critical, especially when we know we have uh, probably some, some stock quality issues. Um, it doesn't, you don't have to, you don't have to look very hard to find the fields that, that maybe didn't fare as well as, as others. So guys, as always, Bloomgren Seed wants to be a partner. So if you uh, want some fields checked, uh, if you want us to help you kind of create that harvest plan, I know that's one of the best ways we can capture yield um, is, is by having that plan in place. Let's switch gears and talk a little bit about soybeans. So spider mites have come up, aphids have come up, and then let's just talk about some general observations from soybean scouting this past week. Yep, so I've been, been getting uh, quite a few calls on spider mites. Um, aphids, aphids not as much, you know, they've been around uh, never to a level where I, I see that, you know, the economic threshold being reached where we need to make a, you know, an insecticide application. Um, spider mites has been a little bit different story. You know, in southwest Iowa, uh, I had a few guys spraying uh, spider mites probably about two weeks ago uh, in, in beans. Um, in corn, you know, they're, we're able to find them pretty commonly around much of the state, but it's never getting to the point where we need to make a, an insecticide application. And so, you know, talking with the growers, that, that's probably where it gets kind of tricky. You know, when, whenever we're talking spider mites, uh, you, you got to be thinking about the eggs, the immatures, and the adults. And so, you know, a lot of the insecticides were traditionally used to spraying for, you know, Japanese beetles, corn rootworm adults. You know, we're typically talking about your organophosphates and your, and your pyrethroids. And those, those are, you know, somewhat effective against those uh, immatures and the adults, but the, where they have no impact on is those eggs. And so, you know, that's, that's where it gets really tricky because, you know, if, if you're looking at a soybean field, and unless that uh, spider mite infestation is, is moved from the borders to, you know, the middle parts of the field, and the, the weather is dry and it looks like it's going to continue to be dry, that, that's when you'd want to start thinking about an application. And so, you know, there, there are certain products that are, you know, miticides that are effective against those eggs and the immatures, uh, and, and even some that are effective against all three. And so anytime you're spraying spider mites, I always, I always warn people that, you know, if you go out and spray and, and just take care of immatures, you're also going to be taking care of those beneficial insects that feed on the spider mites. So, you know, another week or two, once those eggs hatch, you could be having a, a pretty big infest, infestation with spider mites. So I, I always recommend people spend a little bit more money on those products that will have, have some efficacy on those eggs, uh, as well as those immatures and the adults. And, and then, uh, you know, just, just let mother nature uh, dictate whether or not that application is warranted and then be scouting afterwards to, to see if there's any more uh, spider mites. When we were scouting, we're, this year, we see, it seems like we planted a lot of 1.8 to kind of that 2.4, 2.6 range, not a lot of full season beans um, in central Iowa. Uh, so we're, we're really R4, some of those beans are even R5. Um, are, we, <clears throat> are we likely to see return or are we kind of getting out of, the, out of that window? Yep. So, so I think based on, you know, the rains we've just got, the, the cooler temperatures, 
um, along with the developmental stage of, of the soybeans. I, th I think you're probably not going to need much, you know, it's probably not going to be a good ROI making an application at this point versus a later maturity bean that might be, you know, uh, not as far as long. So, so I, I would say for the most part, just given the rain, the cooler conditions, we're probably not going to need to make any, any spider mite application, you know, insecticide applications. But again, that could, that could change pretty quick. Um, so, so I would say base it on maturity, early maturities, you're, you're probably good to, to let it go. Um, later maturity, just keep an eye out, watch, watch what happens. You'll hear me repeat this a lot, but our goal is to be a great partner. If you, uh, if you have concerns, please reach out. We'd love to come scout for you. Andrew, tell me uh, a little bit about your schedule this week. Uh, how can we connect with you at Farm Progress Show? Yeah, so I'm going to be hosting some uh, sessions discussing short corn uh, today, tomorrow, and Thursday at 1 o'clock. Um, I don't know the booth number quite yet, <laughs> so I would say just go to the bear booth. It should be in there. Uh, and I'm working the uh, DeKalb Grove tent uh, Wednesday and Thursday from 1 to 5. Pretty excited. If you haven't followed the Bayer uh, smart corn system, uh, we have the opportunity to actually see uh, the first, uh, I guess, pre-commercial or commercial yeah. iteration of, of short-statured hybrids, which is really exciting. We actually have access to a field of Andrews uh, just on the east side of the interstate uh, here outside of Ames. If that's something that interests you, hit us up. We'd love to take you out and look at that. Andrew, give me one technology you're excited about checking out while you're at Farm Progress Show. So I, I, I just heard on the news today, I, I would say that probably the most the, the thing I'm most excited about is seeing a 60-foot corn head. Christmas. So, you know, I've seen an 18-row corn head on 30 inches. You know, you, you picture a 24-row planter, 60-foot. Yeah. So picturing a 60-foot corn head is, it just boggles my mind. Just when I thought we couldn't get any bigger, there we go. So they didn't say if it was on 20s or 30s, but either way, that's a big corn head. Yeah, that's massive. Well, guys, uh, we appreciate you joining us. Look forward to uh, continuing this. Um, we we both feel incredibly lucky to have such an awesome customer base, such great brands to work with. Look forward to joining you next week. Uh, have a great time at the show. Until next time, we'll see you.